All right, City Point, how's it going? Yeah. All right, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Bob Leo, and sometimes I play drums. Very nice. And sometimes guitar, that's right. Hey, uh, I just want to just take a second to shout out the worship team today. Um, you know, uh, yeah, awesome. Um, a church our size, it is extraordinary to have the talent that we have on this worship team. If you've been in church more than a minute, there are churches five times our size that don't have the talent and the anointing that the, our worship team has. And I'm not saying that because I'm on it, because I wasn't on it today. But here's what I know. Sitting out there today, what I'm going to tell you is that some of y'all are holding out. Because I heard a lot of what was going on around me out here, and some of y'all can sing. <laughs> Let me just tell you. And so... There's a part, part on the connection card, I think, that says, I want to join the worship team. So just think about that. I don't know. Just saying that. Uh, shameless plug. Yes. Nobody paid me to do that at all. Um, I'm really honored to come. <laughs> I'm really honored to come before you today and just and bring the word. Um, you know, this, this topic is part of you asked for it. We did a, a survey, I guess, around Easter, right? And on Easter, and said, what would you like to hear about? And so this is the fourth, I'm not going to say it's the last, but because we go on with series for a while, right, until we get through things. But this is the fourth um, in the series. We had spiritual warfare. We had two sessions on how to share your faith the last two weeks. And today, we're going to cover a, a really um, important topic that you asked for. Um, there's a principle in the life of a believer that is so fundamental and yet so misunderstood. And it is the catalyst for freedom, deliverance, and empowerment as a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you something. Freedom is in this house today. It's here. Not just the Spirit of God. Yes, the Spirit of God, but he has brought freedom with him today. And yet, this topic is very often poorly practiced, causing pain, mental and physical bondage, separation of families, division in churches, and often years of sadness, grief, and the inability to walk in the abundance that God has for us. I'm not talking about financial abundance. I'm talking about spiritual abundance and being able to walk in what God has given us. If we as believers will recognize and do this one thing well, we can have complete breakthrough in our relationship with God and with other people. I'm talking about forgiveness. This is next level stuff today. So if you're taking notes, get a good pen. If you're typing, type away. This is next level stuff. And so, Father, I pray right now that as we come before you, God, and as we consider the topic of forgiveness, Lord, I ask that you would get me out of the way. I ask that you would empty me of me and fill me with you. That the words that come out would bring your freedom that we would understand and be able to live and walk in your forgiveness. That we would have the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive other people 
and that we can walk in the abundant life. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we dive in, let me tell you a story about a little boy. Little boy is 10 years old. When we meet him, his parents are going through a tough time. His mom had just become a Christian, and so had the boy. His dad was an atheist, but his parents' problems extended beyond their beliefs. They were losing respect for each other just 10 years into their marriage. Our young friend had a very special gift. He was very, very good at the game of baseball. He broke many records in the league that he played in since he was six. When coaches were drafting players, he was the first pick in every draft. When he was nine years old, over a 30-game season, he batted 841. That means he got a hit 8.4 times out of 10 at bat. He went a whole season without striking out. He loved playing the game and was one of the smartest and best players to ever play in the league, which this particular league had several Major League Baseball players in its history. He had dreams to follow them to professional baseball, and all indications were that it could happen. Until. One day his dad came into his room, opened his dresser drawer, and took out the boy's uniform. His dad told him that his mom had said the boy couldn't play baseball on Sunday anymore because of her newfound religion. So as a compromise, the dad agreed to take over the scheduling for the whole league and make it so the boys' teams wouldn't have to play on Sunday. But the boys' mom said no. And so his dad was there that day to take his uniform away because his baseball playing days were over. Our young friend was devastated and very quickly became very angry at his mom. We'll come back and check in with him later. But the need to forgive is something that we all have dealt with, as is the need to be forgiven. You hear what I said? The need to forgive is something we've all dealt with, as well as the need to be forgiven. So what does the Bible say about forgiveness? Number one, God tells us to forgive. It's pretty simple. Colossians 3.13 says, I just want to make sure we're good. Um, make allowance for each other's faults. Allowance. Give people room to make mistakes is what it says. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The apostle Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive this person? Now, if you watch The Chosen, and, whoop, and you, you read pretty good characterization of Peter's, I think, his character, his qualities, right? And so if you read about the Apostle Peter, if you read the book of Peter, if you read about his brashness and, you know, he was known to just kind of at a whim just take a sword out and cut off a soldier's ear, like real quick, like not even thinking about it, right? So I can hear Peter, I'm going to take a little license here. I can hear Peter ask Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? 
Seven? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. A whole lot. Now, if you fast forward, remember when Jesus was being tried, this very same apostle Peter, the one who had walked on the water with Jesus, the one who had been close to him, he said he didn't know who he was. And I can tell you, being a personality somewhat similar to Peter's, it was devastating. It made him just decide, I'm going out here and going back to fishing. Until Jesus rose and came and said, I forgive you. In fact, not only do I forgive you, but I commission you, go feed my sheep. He said it three times. So Peter understood what it meant to be forgiven. And so he was able to then go out and forgive other people because of what he has been forgiven. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Kindness comes before forgiveness. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, not hard-hearted. Forgiving one another, why? Because God, through Christ, forgave you. So the Bible says, forgive. Okay? We good? Everybody on board? All right, now, hold on to the bar. The second point is this. Forgiveness is not tied to salvation. Your salvation and your ability to go to heaven is only through grace. That's it. There's no action you can take. There's no sin you can commit. There's no forgiveness that you can deliver to someone that means you get to go to heaven. Because if our salvation was based on any work that we could do, then what Jesus did on the cross is nullified. It's only through God's grace that we're saved. Now, stay with me here, because those of you who've been in church more than a minute, like, you're kind of looking at this going, wait a minute, I thought I was forgiven when I was saved. You were. You were. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of any works, so that none of us could boast. It's all about him. Now, Romans 6, 7, and 8, If I don't have time to go into all of that. I'm not going to read them all today. But Romans 6, 7, and 8, I would, I would just really encourage you to go read those three chapters this week. They talk about this challenge. I'm counting on that staying where it needs to stay. It talks about this challenge that even though we're believers, we still struggle with sin. And it is the grace of God that extends and exists to free us from being a slave to sin. You see, when you become a Christian, your spirit is regenerated. We are body, soul, and spirit, right? Your spirit is regenerated. It is in right relationship with God. But it is constantly warring against your flesh. And if you get to chapter 7 this week, Paul, you'll see Paul says, when I want to do the good thing, I can't do the good thing. And when I want to, the sin is, it's not me, it's the sin that's in me. And he gets all whacked out about this fact that even though we're believers, we still sin. 
Anybody else struggle with that? I'm going to raise both my hands if I could, right? 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 We all struggle. Does it mean we're any less saved? No, because I just told you it's by grace only, right, that we are saved. But Romans 6.16 says this. It was really cool. Don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? Did you hear what it said? Choose to obey. You and I, through God's grace, have a choice. We have a choice to accept him as our Savior. We have a choice to obey, whether it be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Last time I got a chance to be up here, I talked about hear God do what he says. Right? Who's got the bracelet on? Anybody? No, okay. That's cool. I got more. Hear God do what he says, right? What is that about? It's about obedience to God. You hear him, you do what he says. You hear him, you obey. So you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Do you see what that didn't say? What didn't it say? Yeah. It didn't say that your choice to obey God leads you to salvation or to heaven. It's not what it said. It said leads to righteous living. Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I'm going to pause for a second. Sometimes our sin makes us feel shameful. We've let down the God who died for us. And the minute we do, the enemy comes and says, shame on you. How could you do that when he died for you? Anybody ever heard that voice? That's not the voice that serves you. And that's where we need to invoke the scripture that says, I take that thought captive. And I make it obey what the truth is about me. And that is God has saved me. He's made me righteous through the blood of Jesus. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Take it off. Take off that jacket of shame you're wearing. Take it off. For there is no distinction between Jew, God's chosen people, and Greek, everyone else. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone, take the shame jacket off. Don't let that voice take any, any residence in your head. Nobody lives rent free in there, to use a modern term. So when does God forgive our sin? He forgives our sin when we confess it. 1 John 1, 9. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus' son 
Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us from all sin. What Jesus did on the cross gave you and I access to God. We could not have access to God with a dead, sinful spirit. We got access to God. And so what happens is if we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and living in the truth. So deal with it. We sin as believers. We do. But he didn't stop. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. All of it. So when you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you. Why? How? Because of the blood of Jesus that gave you access to a holy God. A holy God. When Jesus was on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22. says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know what forsaken looks like? That word for forsaken was God turning his back on Jesus because he could not see the sin that Jesus was bearing at that moment. And so Jesus said, you have, why have you forsaken me? Why have you made it so hard? Why have you turned your back on me? I need you right now. And it was because God knew he was taking our sin. And he couldn't look on him. But he's always faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need it. Anybody else need it? Come on. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 to 17. If it seems we are crazy, anybody kind of get a sense that maybe there's some crazy going on? If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And as I was reading this passage, this next sentence just popped right off the page. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. How many of us evaluate other people from a human point of view? We evaluate what we see instead of realizing that every person in this room who is a believer has a spirit that is perfect. A spirit that is perfect. Stop looking at each other from a human point of view. What does it say? At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. Now, how differently do we know him now? We know him as a spirit is what he's trying to say. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So what he's talking about is looking at your brothers and sisters as a spiritual person, as someone who has a new life in Christ. So how about we maybe start the practice of not looking at each other from a human point of view. Let's look at our fellow believer. Why? Because if I look at you as a human point of view, if you look at me as a human point of view, we actually see all the flaw. We see all the sin. But if I know you're a believer, and if I know the Spirit of God lives in you, and I know that you're serving him, and you're dedicating, and you're doing what you can to live a Spirit-filled life, how can I do anything as a fellow believer but love you? <gasps> Ooh. Ooh. 
I can't do anything but love you if I realize that your spirit, you're a new person in Christ. I'm going to read the rest of this. It's not on the, on the top, on the uh, charts here. But all, and all of this is a gift from God. New life is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. So, like, watch, go listen to the last two weeks if you want to know what that's all about. Right? Reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. No longer counting people's sins against them. For those of you that think that God is in heaven, writing down everything that you do, every sin that you commit, it's a lie. It says that he no longer, as a new person in Christ, he no longer counts your sin against them, against you or me. Why? Because all he sees is our spirit, and he sees the blood of Jesus. That's it. That's what he sees. There are preachers in pulpits all over the world that are preaching fear-based theology that are saying, when you get to heaven, God's going to show everybody the movie of your life. Uh-oh. That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says he no longer counts people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation, so we are his ambassadors. For God made Christ who never sinned be the offering of sin that we could be made righteous through him. That's all he sees. Stop beating yourself up when you sin. It's so easy to do. If you're looking at eyes through human form, if you're looking through human eyes, natural form, you're looking at the flesh, you're looking at those things, you realize... I put on the shame. I put on the rejection. That's not what God sees. It's not what he sees. You know, I realized as I was preparing for this, I don't hang out in Psalms enough. David and all the people that wrote Psalms, some of them were messed up. And even then, they understood the character and quality of God. I'm going to read Psalm 32, 1 to 5. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. Right? This is not New Testament. David got it. Whose sin is put out of sight. Yet what joy for those who, whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. Say cleared of guilt with me. Right? He's cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. What does that mean? Honesty between your spirit and God's spirit. You are perfect in God's eyes from a spiritual perspective. Do we sin? Yes. Read 6, 7, and 8 in Romans. We sin. But God's grace abounds. Should we continue in that sin because his grace abounds? The, the version I said, I memorized, says, God forbid. Right? No. We shouldn't continue in sin. We should begin to strive to make our flesh become slave to our spirit. So that's what we're obeying. That's what it's all about. When I refuse to confess my sin, hello, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long. Now I'm talking in this part about your confessing your sin to God so he forgives you as an example. 
You ever wonder why you might be sick sometimes? It says, my body wasted away when I refused to confess my sin. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. The only reason you and I try to hide our guilt from God is because we think he's going to think less of us. Because that's what we might do with other people. God thinks nothing less of you because he sinned because Jesus' work was complete. It was finished. He said, it is finished, done. There is nothing else that needs to be done to make us right with God. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. If you can't see it, let me move out of the way. All my guilt is gone. See, when you confess and you get a hold of God's love for you and his forgiveness for you, all your guilt goes away. You can't even put on the coat of shame. How else does he forgive us? He forgives us when we forgive others. Matthew 6, 14 to 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, if you believe that forgiveness is tied to salvation, you can't possibly believe that about God, <laughs> that, he couldn't, that he won't forgive you. But it's not tied to salvation. It's tied to grace. Your salvation is tied to grace. And so what God says, and we'll read it a little later, he says, if you're coming to pray first, go forgive somebody. Go forgive the people who are wrong, and then your Father will forgive you, and you will have freedom as you pray. Uh-oh, got quiet. So let's get back to our story. The next time we see our young friend is 17 years later. Remember, he was 10 in the first part. He's 27, married, and has two kids. He's a follower of Jesus, filled with the Spirit, serving God, and yet there is something heavy in his life. He tells his pastor, who is also a really good friend about it, about his story and, uh, and how he's been angry with his mom for 17 years and how their relationship has been strained that whole time. His pastor looked at him and said, it's time you decided to forgive your mom. And our friend says, I'll forgive her when I'm healed of the hurt. His pastor says, the decision to forgive is the first step in your healing. You see, forgiving others is not an event. It's a process. There are things that people have done to you, said about you, etc., that just doesn't happen. You go, I decide to forgive, boom, and all the things are gone. All the output is gone. It's not how that works. It's a process. But the decision to forgive is the catalyst. Because my third point is forgiveness is for your freedom, not the person who offended you. It's for your freedom. 
And as I look across this room and I see some of your faces, I can tell that some of you have been dealing with this. Some of you have been set free by forgiving someone else. Some of you are still dealing with that unforgiveness or the process of forgiveness. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Pray like this, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It's right there in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive someone else and you will be forgiven. Forgive us as we forgive others. The rest of it, and don't let us yield to temptation. But rescue us from the evil one. Oh, we stop there usually. But let's keep going. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Of all of the parts of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus decided to repeat something about, it was forgiveness. It wasn't daily bread. It wasn't God's name be holy. None of that stuff. It was about the forgiveness. Why, did he, why does he do that? Because he creates emphasis on the things he wants us to pay attention to. Right? Whenever you see it happen again and again or repeat it again and again, it's God going, pay attention, please. Mark eleven twenty five 25 and 26, whenever you stand up to pray, you must forgive what others have done to you. Then your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. If then, if you're in technology, the if then statement is the basis for everything that you do. If this happens, then I want the computer to do this and this. If you forgive, then your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. If there is something that's been done to you, some hurt, some abuse, some offense, some pain, the decision to forgive is the start of your healing. It doesn't mean the forgiveness is completed, your healing is completed, but the decision you make to forgive as you have been forgiven by God is the catalyst. It is the start of your healing. It is the catalyst for your breakthrough. Ever wonder why you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? Forgive. It is the breakthrough that is coming when you decide to forgive. And forgiveness is for your freedom. It's for your freedom. There is freedom in this house today. When I, when I was down there, and I, I knew what was in here, obviously, and I realized that I had no clue what the worship set was going to be, but God's anointing came, and freedom is in this house. It's here. So 
I made an appointment with my mom. We went out to dinner at Shoney's. And I told her how hurt I was. That she took baseball away from me. I told her how angry I was at her. But I told her that I had made the decision to forgive. We cried a little. And she apologized and I told her that I'd forgive her again. And I was free. The process wasn't done, but I was free. Three and a half years later, at 48 years old, my mother died of cancer. I was so glad to have had those last years free of unforgiveness. But I felt cheated that she was gone. And I asked God, why? I just got this right. Why is she gone? And once or twice a year for about a decade, <laughs> here's the story. God blessed me with the most vivid dreams of spending the day with my mom. Sometimes we would just sit and talk, and other times I'd introduce her to the grandchildren that she never really knew. And every time in the dream, she would say, you know, I'll have to go soon. <laughs> and every time she did. And sometimes I'd wake up crying, and sometimes laughing, but always grateful. And then the dream stopped. God spoke clearly to me and he said you've caught up you've caught up I don't know how your forgiveness story ends I do know that it starts with the decision to forgive I want you to be free God wants you to be free. God wants you free today. Today, in this place, he wants you free. He wants you to make the decision to free, to forgive and free yourself. That's what he wants. Can you guys stand with me? I'm not a cliche guy, but I'll ask you to bow your heads. I know there is freedom in this place today. I know it. Because I felt the same thing today that I felt after Shoney's with my mom. I felt it today. And what God gave me through that process is he gave me an anointing to pray for people to have the courage to make the decision to forgive. My last name is Leo. 
God's anointing to me is that I get to pray for people to have the courage to do things God's asking them to do. Today, it's the courage to ask and to make the decision to forgive someone. So if that's you, if that's you, just raise your hand. All over the place. Just the decision to forgive. Prayer team, come on down here, up front, down front. The decision to forgive starts today. So let me pray for you. Don't worry about that. Father, we thank you so much for your forgiveness of us. There's no way that we could even imagine how you see our spirits perfectly how you see us forgiven, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us every single time. So God, I'm asking right now, all over this room, that you would give us the courage to make the decision to forgive. It may be one person, it may be 10 people, it may be someone who hurt us. It may be an abuser. It may be someone who caused us pain. Give us the courage to have the decision to forgive. So if that's you and you want some help, you want someone to pray with you right now to have the courage to make the decision to forgive, just step out. Sam's going to play. Just come on. Our prayer team will pray for you. I need help. I can't forgive this person. The hurt was too much. It was too bad. It was terrible. But I want to make the decision to forgive, to start the process of my healing. If that's you, come on. We'll pray with you. Just take a moment. place today, God. There's freedom in this place. All you have to do is come get it. There is freedom in this place. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Maybe the person that you need to forgive is here with you. Just go hug them. Tell them, I'm making the decision to forgive you today, right here, right now. Start the process of your healing. Start the freedom. Start it. for you 
in the Father's house. Realized he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. Whom the Son sets free, yeah. oh, is free I'm a child. in this place this freedom right here whether you came up or not doesn't matter but what I learned to do over the years is I've learned that as I forgive others my healing in that begins and so you can go home or you can be in the car or you can be resting tonight or get up first thing in the morning and just go I'm deciding. I forgive X person for Y thing that they did. Do you hear that? Just said it. I forgive X person for Y they whatever they did. That's all you have to do. And when you do that, it's not an event. It's not an event. It's the beginning of a healing process that might take you a day and it might take you a decade. But it is the catalyst for your breakthrough in that moment. In that moment, it's the catalyst for your breakthrough. I forgive X person for what they did and speak out what they did. Call it out. God is so good. He's so good. 
God been good to you? you have anyone here had much forgiven? <laughs> right? So go forgive with as much as you have been forgiven. Go forgive. Yeah, it hurt. Yeah, the pain was there. Yeah, the abuse was there. Yeah, they wronged you. It was not good. But make the decision to start the healing process. I used to say forgiveness starts your healing or forgiveness starts makes the healing happen. It's not true. The decision to forgive. This happened, this revelation happened in a conversation with my wife and daughter two days ago, all right, as I was preparing for this. She said, no, no, sometimes the decision to forgive starts the cat, starts the process of the healing, which could take a long time. It could take a long time. It's not a light switch. So what you start with is I forgive person for, and you name the offense, and you call it out, and people... People are like, don't, don't dig that up. Don't dig that up. Don't dig that up. And what the enemy wants to do is to have you stuff it down. Because when you stuff it down, your freedom doesn't come. It doesn't come when you stuff it. Call it out. Deal with it. And let the process of healing start. give him praise tonight. Come on, he is so good. Y'all, there really is an anointing in this room. It's kind of hard to stand up here. I don't know, y'all. I'm like, we need to put carpet, okay? Lord, we thank you for your glory. We thank you that there's power in forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for what you've began to do right now in our church. I thank you for the seed that has been sown right now. Lord, we thank you for your glory. We thank you that there is healing in your presence. Lord, we thank you that there is power in your forgiveness. We thank you that as we forgive, Lord, people are released in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just pray that right now there would be a widespread release within our people right now. That you would release us, Father. You would help us to be released as we forgive. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to move right now. And that as we start this process, some of us, it is completed right now, but some of us, the process has begun. And I just pray right now, you would give us the courage to continue this process. The courage to choose every day to forgive. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
Well, let me bless you, and then we'll go eat. Come on, somebody. Anybody want to eat? Let's go. <laughs> let me bless you. Lord, I just pray you'd bless us and keep us. That you'd make your face shine upon us. Lord, that you'd be gracious to us. And you would give us favor. And you would give us peace. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give him praise one more time? Hey, listen, next week. Same time, same place. We'll see you at 445 next week.